Welcome to Mike DeBaptist. Good to see you back. That means that the first one didn't run you off of the episodes of Mike DeBaptist with three preachers. I'm back with my three friends, H.D. Jones, Jason Riccardi, and Michael Kuntz. There's some uh, guys that uh, belong to the same church I do, and they just happen to be preachers, and I'm not. I'm the challenge to preachers. So I know my role. <laughs> they know theirs. <laughs> we had a good round the last time. I hope you uh, watched it and maybe got something out of it and uh we'll try to do that again we're just going to talk about some stuff there's probably scriptures involved maybe yeah yeah we'll do that and uh that would kind of line up with the whole churchy theme that we're or non-churchy theme that we're after here but anyway glad you're back and so fellas i enjoyed just so you know i enjoyed the first round of this i'm going to enjoy this round i hope you do too and i hope you come back because we're supposed to do this at least two months every Saturday. So if y'all don't show back up, something ain't right. <laughs> so anyway, we'll take a look at that. Uh, but first, uh, and very importantly, let's talk about food. Uh, food is an important thing to people. Mm. I know it is at my house and in my world. And did y'all have anything interesting to eat recently? Well, last time you asked us that, and I forgot, you know, I just come from Disney, and I did eat something I'd never had before when we were at Disney. Ah, okay. So uh, I'm excited to hear about that. Well, yeah, it's going to be a big letdown. So we're uh, <laughs> every year that we I'm go ready. to Disney, I'm ready. we always see people with these uh, gigantic turkey legs walking around. So yeah. we finally tried one of those, yes. and uh, it was... Uh, as disappointing as could be. <laughs> so it was okay taste. It was $15 of disappointment. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, sticky as all get out. A big mess. It's like, how in the world do you eat this without making a big mess? But So that was something interesting huh. that I had. You have a lot of tendons in those, too. Yeah, it's yeah like, uh, and like you like find on, that uh, out the hard way. Like yeah. on Christmas vacation where they're trying to like, <laughs> <laughs> chew that last bit of that It's like, oh, what did we just find I'll in this leg? I'll down now, Clark. Yeah. Yeah, I don't it's want to see these turkeys that these things come from either. These things are huge. Was this the first time you had a big turkey leg? Oh, like yeah. That? First time I've done that. I've never seen a turkey leg that big before. Yeah. So we had the experience, which is what Disney's all about, is the experience. You know what, uh, Koontz? I'm just, I really like just calling you Koontz. That's, I'm just, That's good. I'm I like hearing it, too. You, know? you can call me Jackson anytime you want to. All right. Uh, what was I going to say? It's probably really important. So. Oh, the experience. That's that's half of doing anything. Eating yeah. food. I mean, just, just the experience. You know, dad dad loved food. Dad was a he, he loved to eat and um his his most exciting part of the day was getting to dessert after supper. <laughs> yeah. And uh he, he lived for that. So uh I guess uh, you know, you just kinda learn from him. You do. Yep. So sticking with the Disney theme, though, I went there earlier this year. Never had a churro. You hear people talking about oh, it all yeah. the time. You yeah. got to get pretty a churro, good. man. You got to get a churro. So we were pretty excited about it. You got the churro, <laughs> and I was a little bit disappointed, to be honest with you. But, uh, yeah. A lot of cinnamon, a lot of air. Yeah. yeah. Churro's a dessert-type thing, I guess. It's basically like a, I don't know, like a fried, rolled-up tortilla almost kind piece of consistency of, covered in yeah, like piece some of sugar honey and yeah. cinnamon churro. Huh. But it was a little more chewy inside than I was expecting. I was expecting a little more of a crunch to it. it Maybe yours was raw. Could be. <laughs> <laughs> Uncooked cheer. Right. Yeah. You have anything interesting? I mean, and the last time we talked, you had eaten a tarantula. So I'm, I'm expecting something so there, this time. That's You know, there's uh, <laughs> melatonin is one of those things that people take to go to go to sleep, right? So Look, one, look i got to stop you for one second. Uh, <laughs> people give me a hard time about being random. <laughs> I'm not it's random related. at the same table as you. I just I'm not random at all. Right? It's food related. I, I promise. Okay. So <laughs> melatonin is one of those things that people take to go to sleep. Yeah. And one day I come home from work and I, I see this bag of gummy bears on the the banister, and so I, I was like, oh, I love me some gummy bears. And I I open up the bag and I, I grabbed a handful of gummy bears and I tossed them in my mouth and I was chewing them and my wife proceeds to walk into the room and she's like. Jason, did you see where the bag of uh, melatonin went? I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. And she's like, yeah, it was in a bag on the, the half wall. And I was like, uh, no. And yes, yeah, it's gummy bears inside. I'm like, oh, that was uh, that was me. And uh, she said, that was, that was melatonin, Jason. I mean, like, that's to see if it'll help us go to sleep. And so that was probably like uh, five o'clock. And I had like seven of them or something. 
and you're supposed to take one before you go to bed. And right. <laughs> I, I didn't go to bed till midnight, so it did absolutely nothing to me. Really? Yeah, nothing. But that's what happens when you're ADHD. I was going to say, well, I'm adult ADD, so mm-hmm. we have this link. Yeah. Uh, but I could see where a whole bag of that would just not even phase you. Coffee? I, I can drink know. coffee and go straight to bed. It does does nothing. Yeah, I can't do that, though, because I think it's because of my age now. If I drink mm-hmm. coffee later in the day, yeah, I can't, I can't sleep. So I didn't have anything interesting to eat lately, but your story reminded me of a story when uh, when my son Michael was little. I don't know, maybe five or six or something. He may he might have been a little younger than that because he was still in a car seat back there behind me. But anyway, he 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 couldn't eat nuts. He didn't like nuts. I don't remember if he didn't like them or if he choked on them or something. But we you just didn't give him nuts. He just <laughs> didn't do that. So we. We stop at a Mapco. And you, give, you give him some we, nuts, right? We stop at a Mapco, yeah. and, you know, we're always prone to get our kids snacks that they don't need, but, you know, what the heck. We were practicing for <laughs> having grandkids. Over. So we go in, and I get whatever, I probably Mountain Dew. I used to drink a lot of Mountain Dews, so and I probably got that. But I bought him this pack of Raisinets. That's chocolate, right? Chocolate yep, yeah, chocolate-covered raisins. Yeah, so actually. come back out and... Open them up, hand them back there to him, and we're down, going down the road, and my son's choking a little in the back seat, and and starts saying there's something wrong with the raisins, and well, it turns out they were chocolate covered peanuts, huh. and uh, we were he was he was gagging, choking. We said, no, just eat them, they're fine. Some of them are chewy. Just go ahead, you'll be okay. But so, anyway, that reminds me of the time that my dad, my dad's stubborn. Uh, when he was alive, he was stubborn, and uh, he would he would kind of do what he wanted, regardless of what you thought. Well, my youngest daughter, or my oldest daughter, was about one, a little less than one at the time, and she didn't really have teeth. So you're not supposed to give kind of solid adult food without teeth. And so we're we're at this restaurant, exactly. and my dad is uh, my dad's giving her French fries. I'm like, Dad, she doesn't have teeth yet. You you don't need to be doing that. And he's like, She'll be fine. She's fine. And uh, ten, 10 minutes into it, I mean, my wife and I are keeping an eagle eye on her because we're like, my dad's not listening and he's feeding her french fries. She didn't have teeth. And so then <laughs> she starts choking and gagging and like she's starting to change color. So I actually had to give my daughter to the baby Heimlich maneuver, which goes back to when I was a lifeguard. I learned that, you know, you, you turn them head down and you smack them on the back and then you, you kind of fish it out of their mouth. So I had to give my daughter the baby Heimlich maneuver because my dad wouldn't listen <laughs> about dad. her. Not eating adult he was, food he was when she's an infant. Tooth food into her, and yeah. she didn't. Yeah, that was fun. It's good times. Well, that was an exciting conversation right? about yeah. food. Yeah. It kind of went off the rails. I was <laughs> yes, we took a turn. There. Interesting. Were we food. ever in my rails? staff meetings? <laughs> this happens all the time. Yes, it does. Okay, I got a, I got a weird question. This doesn't have anything to do with food, but it has to do with trying to get to the bottom of my theory that preachers are actually real people. So I have a question for each of you, each of the preachers at the table. What is the weirdest thing? <laughs> I think superhuman weird things while looking for that somebody has asked you to do as a preacher that you might have just looked back across the table and said, uh, people don't do that. Is there something you can think of? Jason's snickering, so. Superhuman, no. Um, just Maybe just something weird that somebody has asked you to do or... <laughs> Or suggested you do even. Man, I worked at Starbucks and I had some people. I apparently had a face that just people would tell me the most inappropriate thing they possibly could think of, and and they this this one woman in particular. We called her the crazy crack lady because I'm pretty sure she was high half the time she came into the store. And one time she came into the store and she found out that I was actually in, in a play and I was playing the role of Jesus. Uh, obviously, it's just the beard, right? And so I'm playing in the role of Jesus. And she, she perks up at, at that. She goes, oh, well, maybe you could pray for an insert female anatomy because she was dissatisfied with them. And, and so, so I make an eye contact with her up until the point that she's like, Hang on, I'm trying to get this buzz before you actually say something. Uh, I, was, I was making eye contact with her up until I realized what she was asking. And I'm like, I was so done. I broke eye contact. I just, I just, I was zeroed in on making the drink. I got that drink and I handed it to her and I was out as soon as I possibly could. And that, 
So that was one of the weirdest things that as soon as somebody realized I was in the ministry, they asked me to do. Super well, weird. That's that's exactly what I was looking for. Yeah. And you came, welcome. You came through right there. I'm just going to say. Captain inappropriate. We, uh, so I had a lady call me from the nursing home one day. Well, you day. guys got excited about this oh, yeah. one. There's, there's been some really odd things. But I had a lady call me from the nursing home one day, and she's like, hey, can you come over here and pray for Mr. So-and-so? He is uh, – He's dying, and, you know, his family's real upset. And so, you know, I, I don't know this guy, but I'm like, okay, whatever. So I I bust out of my office, run down to the nursing home. I go into the guy's room. There's nobody there. He is literally in a coma probably a few hours away from just dying. And I'm like, I don't know this guy. I don't even know why I'm here. I don't even what you know where's the family if they cared so much i thought they were there waiting for me to come pray with them basically now they just want me to go and pray for this dude so you feel awkward you're just like okay so <laughs> hey mr i don't really know you uh, i'm gonna pray for you right now and you know you feel like these people are walking by looking into the room were you in the wrong room oh no no i, I checked with the nurse's station to make sure this is the right thing i've always found it fascinating that in, in our particular brand of church that we all go to, we have deacons. And I've heard over the years that everybody says, my deacon, my deacon. And it's just kind of odd the things I've heard over the years that people expect yep. those people to be mm-hmm. when they're when they're not. Anyway, yep, I'm not going to get into any details because people are listening that know us. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, you know how that can go. That's why I'm afraid to have you on here sometimes because – You'll just say things. And that's a very good fear to have. Yeah. I only know in a few months, but yep. Coots. Yes, sir. So uh, you, uh, did a lot of years with uh, a missions organization, led big projects around the country uh, for teenagers. So a lot of unique situations happened there. One thing that we were asked one time, we were woken up in the middle of the night um, by a youth group leader asking us to come help with a student uh, that they believed was demon-possessed at this camp. So we, we start trying to be good church people. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, how do you help with that? <laughs> yeah, minister with them. And we get the uh, the parents on the phone, and first, well, the mo- mother on the phone at first, and the thing that she asked that we didn't even know how to answer was, uh, uh, what level can you pray at? <laughs> Wait a minute, they asked you that? Yeah, yeah, the, the mother. The mother asked us on the phone, what level can you pray at? Oh, I would have just immediately said nine. It's <laughs> <laughs> like Just immediately. <laughs> well, I was the project coordinator. I had the camp pastor with me, and we're both like, uh, we pray to God. Good and uh, come to find out that the mother that we were talking to was the pastor's wife. Yeah, so it, it got really fun. But uh, So what level can you pray at? So... And at the end of it, didn't uh, <laughs> well, so. t- tell the yeah. end. You told the story. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, sure I shared this with him the, before. The and uh, so we, we dealt with this for several hours through the night. And uh, the daughters, the, the, the girl, her father was the pastor, another state, nowhere near us. And uh, the mother and the father were of two different belief systems. So that was interesting, hence her question to us. It's always a nice mix. It is. It makes things interesting. And uh, come to find out, about 3 o'clock in the morning, uh, the girl just started acting normal and said, I, I'm not demon-possessed. I just want some attention. Did you tell them, see, that's where that nine comes in handy. <laughs> yeah, that's right. See how that worked? <laughs> uh, yeah. So, well, not to make light of it. but Years ago at our little church that we all belong to, uh, I was coerced into helping with the older teenagers for a while. And uh, since I've, I've long since, after that, learned this is not my role. <laughs> that's, not, that's not my gifts. But anyway, I had that role for just a little while, and I invited some of them to the house here one night after Sunday evening church to watch The Exorcist. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not your calling. Yes, well, I agree. It had been 20 years. probably loved it. It had been 20 years since I had seen that. And I did not look at it before I just turned it on. So we got to some pretty interesting scenes there, and we, we moved into a little different Bible study. Yep. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I, I didn't remember how really bad that movie was until I looked at it in. did that with uh, Christmas Vacation one too, time, too, and you, you need to screen some of those before you just 
Yeah, yeah, that's definitely throw them out one of the yeah, ones Go for the regular TV broadcast version, yeah, not so, the DVD version. So that concludes our portion of Preachers Are Real People, too, <laughs> on Mike the Baptist, which is kind of exciting, but that was fun. Y'all have anything on your mind you want to just kind of get out uh, that you can't get out around a church before we move on because we allow just whatever here? No, nope. and don't don't let him answer that either. I'm good, I'll, thanks. I'm watching yeah. him. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm watching him. I've always said my friend HD is good for one redneck comment every time he preaches, <laughs> and he never, ever lets me down. And it always scares me when he comes up to me at the end of a service and says, you make me proud, you make me feel normal. Yeah, I know. I was like, oh, what no. did I say? Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. I just, just, just like, well, you know, I'm going to compile a list of some of them that we can use. <laughs> and we'll talk about that in the future because some of them are really humdingers. I got to tell you, can I tell the wedding story real quick? Oh, yeah, go ahead. We were at this wedding <laughs> over in Rome, Georgia, and uh, he officiated the wedding. So I guess he was the only preacher around there when it came time for the rehearsal meal. And, uh, this wedding was at a country club, so there were imbibements that, you know, some of us don't partake in too much, but they were there. And uh, actually, there's a whole table for that, a whole area for that. And then across the room, there was an area for water and tea. And uh, HD happened to be in that area when they came and found him and asked him to pray for the meal before we ate. Okay, everything's fine, all common, everything normal. HD takes the mic and says he actually makes a comment about, uh, uh, you know, the typical blah, 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 nice wedding, you know, happy to be here, you know, so happy for everybody, et cetera, et cetera, about to have some food that's been prepared, you know, by loving hands, whatever preachers say before they, uh, when they're praying for food. But anyway, and then he says, I'm over here by the uh, water and tea, and he says, you know, I'm not over there by all the uh, other I don't remember what, what you call it, uh, the other alcoholic beverages and stuff, and uh, but that's between you people and your Lord over there, so I'm not going to get in that. And he said, let's pray. <laughs> I actually got so, booed. There was somebody in the crowd yeah. that booed me. Well, that was after the long, uncomfortable and silence. And somebody else that yelled <laughs> that out, was... Jesus drank. You know, it was just one of those moments when you're like, I sit down at the table, and I'm like, why? Why, why, why do I even open my mouth? But anyway. Well, after your wife got out from under the table, uh, we had a good laugh about it. Yeah. But that's the first time I'd seen her slink all the way under the table, yeah. but she made it all the way down there for that one. You're welcome. It was a great moment. We'll be back in a minute with some serious stuff, maybe. You are a busy man. That's right. You got it going on. Uh-huh. And sometimes, mm-hmm. you just got to keep it moving along. You know that's right. That's why there's the all-new... So Shammy. Oh, yeah. It's the Soul Shammy. You don't have to worry no more about missing that meeting. The Soul Shammy got you covered, brother. Just take your soul chamois, polish up those rough edges, rub it in, and you are ready to hit the world with a clean conscience, a clean slate, and a clean soul. The soul chamois, pick yours up today, and don't worry about tomorrow, because the soul chamois got you covered, brother. The soul Hey, we're back. Thanks for sticking around. That's our sign that either you like it or you're just real nosy. But, you know, a lot of church people listen to this, and I know they're nosy, so a lot of them are going to be coming this far in. But uh, if you make it all the way to the end, now, you may not notice it, but I test some people that I know wherever you are in the country or at my local church uh, from time to time to see if you've actually watched these because you'll say, that's really good. And so... Be ready for me to ask you a particular question about the end of these. Busted! <laughs> okay, you guys can take it from here for a little bit. Good times. Yeah. So, last week we introduced uh, this theme in, in Psalms chapter 1 where it talks about the path of righteousness and the path of the wicked and, and all those kind of stuff. Well, we're in a 
looking at a different psalm a little bit further down the road is uh, Psalm 22. And the crazy thing about this is you look at that passage of Scripture, and it goes on to perfectly describe what ends up being crucifixion. It goes on to perfectly describe what ends up being crucifixion. And if you're not familiar with that term, it's basically where somebody uh, gets brutally and violently nailed to a, a wood instrument, and they're publicly displayed and made fun of. And so it goes on to kind of describe that scene that Jesus goes through. But the crazy thing is, this was actually written um, a thousand years before Jesus lived, and 500 years before crucifixion was even invented. And so that brings up this interesting topic about, you know, prophecy. What is prophecy? Is a, it's kind of a crazy word that we'll use, and some people will define it in different ways. Um, and so it kind of makes you wonder, when the Bible makes predictions and they end up coming true, what does that do about your belief in the Bible? What are you guys' thoughts? It supports it. It shores it up. Right. It's like archaeology. Mm -hmm. You know, they, the interesting thing is I don't think they've found, uh, I don't think they've dug up yet a monkey man. They've dug up things that look kind of like one or the other, but they haven't dug up the one that, you know, actually proves that. But the Bible keeps digging up things that prove what it says in there. Mm -hmm. To me, that's what this means about, you know, in, in my world, if a prophet makes one prophecy and it don't come true, one of these modern-day prophets, prophets, sorry, I'm done. Uh, right. That's yeah. just me. But You know, working at Starbucks uh, for years, there was a time period that I worked in there. There was a guy who was famous for making prophecies and predictions and stuff like that that literally never came true. He kept predicting the end of the world, and it never came true. And one of the times that he predicted the end of the world was I was working at Starbucks. And I remember being in the drive-thru and having people come through that just their whole concern and demeanor, their countenance of their face was just really, I mean, they were really afraid. And this guy repeatedly and repeatedly over the span of decades made predictions that the world was coming to an end. And people would get worked up and start believing him. And lo and behold, he never got it right. And this was uh, probably, I don't know, 2000 and. 10, 2011, I can't remember exactly when it was, but this prediction that the world was going to end soon again, and I had people that would come through that didn't, I didn't know, but uh, they got to talking to me, and, and I got a chance to just kind of encourage them and say, look, this guy is making these predictions, and they don't ever come true. It's not really anything you need to be worried about. Lo and behold, his prediction didn't come true. He came back and said, well, I, was, I miscalculated. It's actually going to be a couple more months down the road. A couple more months down the road, it didn't come true. And he finally, even after decades of being known for making prophecies about when the world was going to end, he said, well, I guess I'm wrong, and I give up. I'm not making any more. Yeah. But with the Bible, everything that has been predicted is either still possible that it can can come true, like it just hasn't come yet, or it has been proven true. So so is there any example, I know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask it anyway because you all went to school for this and are paid to think about this. Is there any examples of something in the Bible that it kind of predicted, maybe not straight up predicted, but talked about that wound up not being true? I don't think there is, is there? Well, the the prophets would actually say things like, uh, God is going to judge you. Uh, and then, lo and behold, the people would repent, and so God wouldn't judge them. And so they would. some people will look at that and say, well, look, prophecy doesn't come true. But the whole purpose of God prophesying to the people is, is not that it's a prediction that this is going to happen. The whole purpose behind prophecy is really just that God wants to change in our behavior. He knows what's best for us. You know, when you have a little kid and they want to stick their finger in a light socket, you smack that hand and say, don't do that. You put little caps in the, the light sockets so that you prevent them from getting injured. Mm -hmm. And so prophecy, really, the purpose behind it is God is saying to people, look, if you don't change this behavior pattern, it's not going to go well for you. And I'm, I'm letting you know this in advance so that the behavior has changed. So prophecy and prediction are two different things. 
Yes. And we oftentimes kind of equate those two things together. Sometimes there is predictive prophecy, but most of the time it's really just God saying, look, this is is what's going to happen if you don't change. And then when the people change, it didn't happen. But God is also merciful. Uh, You know, mercy is God not giving us what we deserve sometimes. And so even when we don't see immediate consequences to our behavior, we kind of think God doesn't care and he's okay with what we do. But really God is just really kind of showing us some mercy, and he's not judging us now. He's given us room to correct our behavior. I'd say even in some of those, maybe it's for a season, like God had told Israel that they were going to be overtaken. Well, all of a sudden a king starts doing things right, and God doesn't allow them to be overtaken under his rule, but the next king comes Hmm. and totally abolishes all the good things that happen, and lo and behold, they are overtaken by a people group. And so one of the things that as we're reading through the Psalms, we've been talking through the Psalms, you know, and I really tried to think about this a little different. Psalm 22 is really the emotional side of the crucifixion. The gospels tell you about how he was taken to a trial, how they falsely accused him, nailed him to a tree, hung him there in front of everybody to see but Psalm 22 is really about, again, that emotional side. And David, as he writes this, he's writing about something that's going on personal in his life. But the Holy Spirit has also given him these words that will be used by Christ. And it's it's very interesting because, obviously, Jesus is a descendant of David. But a psalm was intended to be sung by the whole congregation. So I know you like to end your Mike the Baptist with a hymn. But these are songs that were intended to be sung by the whole congregation. So for a thousand years, the people of God, the Israelites, are singing Psalm 22. At some point during the year, they're singing this psalm. How ironic is that when Jesus is actually on the cross? Did any of those folks, his followers, did any of this start resonating in their mind going, these predictions have come true in our lifetime? Even Jesus told us, but we didn't want to believe it, but... Now we're remembering these songs. I don't know about you, but I grew up in the church, and some of these songs are just stuck in my head. Mm-hmm. Amazing Grace, Blessed Assurance. I can, I, I can hear my grandmother singing that. Mm-hmm. It's stuck in my head. Mm-hmm. And so what about this psalm? They sung it so many times, and now they're seeing it because some of the things in here, you know, they've pierced my hands and my feet. They are uh, taking my garments and, and gambling for my garment. And it's like, not only does God's predictions come true, they come true in every last detail. Mm-hmm. Um, it's amazing. And that, you know, the fact that, it, like what you just said there, every last detail, that's one of the things I love about the fulfilled prophecies that we have recorded in God's Word is the comfort and the assurance that those bring to us, you know, and it allows our faith to grow. It allows us to be able to uh trust God, what he says is is true. And the ones that are unfulfilled, we've seen all these other prophecies fulfilled. We can have the faith, hey, he's going to take care of things. You get into the end of the Bible, you get into the book of Revelation, mm-hmm. you start looking at things to come and what we have to look forward to. Not just things that are going to happen here on the earth, but we have all these things to look forward to as as people that have trusted in Jesus forever, for, forever and ever. And that, that should just give us great encouragement. You know what? We got tough times right now, but boy, we got some great things mm. waiting for us. A lot of people are afraid of the word prophecy. Yeah, it's, it's kind of fearful. Something yeah. fearful about it, but it's really not right. Uh, something to be afraid of. Yeah. But on the flip side, to, to me, it's something that ought to be respected. And I think there are people in the world who uh, run around in, in religious circles that don't respect and kind of abuse it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where the fear comes from in people because they're, well, they're using it. Right. I mean, to right. I don't get mean, authority and yeah, control over I don't know any other way to say that. They're just using it. They're prostituting it for, well, in a lot of yeah. cases, profit. Yeah, get yeah. their platform. Yeah. Well, you think about what Jason said, that a 1,000 years before Christ was born, 500 years before the Romans ever even came up with this concept of crucifixion, David was writing about something that didn't happen in his lifetime. He didn't understand crucifixion, but it came true. 
So as we read about things that are in front of us, you know, people all the time ask me, you know, uh, when you read the book of Revelation, you know, is there really a this? Is there really a that? And I'm like, I just happen to be a literalist when it comes to Scripture. I, I just believe what it says, the way it says it. Yes, we need to understand that it's a poetic language. The Psalms are poetic language. Mm. But God is communicating something that we need to understand. And the main things are the main things, and the plain things are the plain things. Mm. So when it says Jesus is coming again, you know, you have all these theories of is he really coming? Is he not coming? Is, you know, is this part of his coming through the church? I'm just like, I'm a literalist. I just take it literally because David was literally writing about crucifixion when he didn't even understand crucifixion. Mm -hmm. So what is John writing about that he doesn't fully understand in the book of Revelation? How is it possible that everybody could see Jesus all at one time? Well, let's be honest. Now with YouTube, everybody in, in the world can see something at the same time. Doesn't mean that's the way it's going to happen. I mean, obviously, if God's uh, powerful enough to say, let there be light, and there's light, he can appear to the whole world at one time without CNN or without uh, Facebook. But let's be honest, it is possible right now. It mm -hmm. is. I mean, it's, In our understanding that John didn't understand, it is possible right now. Yep. Well, you know, there's a real sobering part to this thing, too, is that if if the things in the Bible keep proving themselves out, just like archaeology, if it proves itself out to be what it somebody said it was, if these things in the Bible, especially concerning the end times, yep. if, if the rest of this Bible keeps proving itself out, it's a very sobering reason to say, well, you know what? Then that means that end part may be right, and it may be a good reason to to uh, take a jolt uh, in the in the heart and consider, you know, it might be a good idea to buy into this for real, right? You know, I mean, it's a it's not scary. It's the fearful thing. Fear and fear in God to me means understanding who He is and paying attention. So this whole prophecy thing, I think, can lead right into that. And did y'all did y'all see a movie when you were young? I remember in uh, grade school. In Arkansas, we had the film room, and it was this dank, cold, damp, dusty basement underneath the cafeteria that you'd go to. And I think it was in the cafeteria, or Miss Miss Bohannon's room, maybe. Anyway, it was dark and dank in there, and they would show films. Did they do that when y'all were in school earlier? They would show put these big reels on. They would show these films and flicker and jump, and and they played one uh, uh, the David Wilkerson. What was that movie? Uh, the Rapture, or what was that movie? Left Behind. Left Behind, maybe? It was from the 70s. Oh, that's, uh, that's uh, like early oh, 70s. Gosh. But, I mean, it just scared the crap. We can say crap on Mike Baptist. It just scared the <laughs> crap out of people Yeah. for a long time. People talked about that and made them all nervous. And I remember being scared. But then I look, look back and think, probably wasn't a reason to be scared. It might be a reason to think about that a little bit. So the cross and the switchblade. Yep, that's. I guess that's what it was. I had David to look that up. Google was pretty awesome. Yeah, early uh, early seventies probably. Yep. Uh, Nineteen seventy. Yeah, that that was it. It was really scary. They let you show that in school. What? Yeah, I don't think they. I don't think they played anything really bad then. Though. It was just like people getting sucked up in the air. Well, I'm just thinking stuff. it has a religious. Religious, thing. yeah. Well, yeah. Back where I'm from, you know, you can still do some of that stuff right there. And if you tell us we can't, we're going to anyway. So. Just come in and stop us if you want to. What the, what the old boy say? He said, you can't take prayer out of school. Every kid that sits down to take a test, he's praying. Yeah, he's praying real hard. Yeah, it's in there. Uh, okay. All right. So <laughs> crucifixion is pretty brutal. And when you come to a belief that Jesus actually died that death, and you think, why was that necessary? Why did somebody that didn't deserve to have any hardship happen to him the only person that really never screwed up like what we do, why did that person have to go through hardship? Which kind of leads us into the question of if somebody that was perfect, who never messed up, never did anything wrong, you know, just never struggled with any of the things that we do, if he went through hardships, how much more so us? And there was another guy in the the first chunk of the Bible that, you know, about two-thirds of the Bible is called the Old Testament. And there's a guy named Job, and we, we kind of referenced him last week. But this guy named Job, and it, when you read it, it's kind of this crazy story of 
God and Satan almost have like this back bar gambling session going on, and they're like, "Well, let's see. Uh, I'm I'm gonna lay twenty five down that Job's not gonna sin, and Satan's he's I'll I'll raise the ante. He's, I'll put fifty down. He'll he'll mess up, and so they kind of go back and forth, and it kind of almost has that feel to it. And so that kind of asks the question, like, what do we do in our lives when hard stuff happens? <laughs> it kind of almost feels like Satan and God are, are wagering in the back room somewhere. All right, at what point do you think he's going to cry uncle? Or at what point is he just going to break? And so what? when we know that Jesus died a brutal death so that we wouldn't have to, what kind of hope does that give us? when we encounter hard things. How does this affect your view of God's sovereignty? Sovereignty is just a fancy word that like God is, he reigns over everything. I buzzed that. You're not wearing headphones, so you couldn't tell. But What does that mean? So, sovereignty is just a, a Cause, fancy cause my word. my airstream out there is called sovereign. Huh? My airstream is called sovereign. That's, you're not talking about the same thing. What does sovereign mean? It, it's a fancy word that basically means that uh, God rules over everything he overreigns. he reigns over everything sovereign s over reign so i don't know if that helps you but it, it just means he's in charge of everything okay. and so how does how does knowing that jesus who was a, the most righteous man never messed up went through hard times and job went through hard times and um how does that give us hope when we go through hard stuff well, and for us, it's or for me personally, you know, that's a that's a battle because it's uh, we have to come back to that understanding and remind ourselves of that because when we're going through something hard, uh, sometimes we don't want to think back to that fact, you know, of what Jesus did endure and go through uh, for us. You know, we're going through you know health issues, you know, in, in my family and stuff, and and there are times that all you can do is just you know lay there and pray. Because there is nothing else humanly possible for you to do, and you, you it's easy to uh, fall down into that. You know, what was me yeah. mindset? You know, uh, and then uh, then we hopefully come back around to the fact of what the Lord has done for us. To know that this situation has not taken God by surprise; He knows everything, past and present and future. So we can take comfort. And hopefully rest in that fact that he's got it. You know, uh, he's got his plan. He's working his plan out. It may not make sense to me right now, but uh, hopefully we can relax in that a little bit. Yeah, I think, you know, big picture with the story of Job, the first thing that kind of always caught me off guard is like, God kind of throws him under the bus. Yeah. You know, Satan is in God's presence, and God's the one that says, have you considered my servant Job? And that's kind of, again, alarming. It's like, okay, God, just keep, keep the limelight off me. You know, if you be honest in what, what most of our prayer life, give me a good day today, keep me safe, keep all my family safe, and let me lay down tonight and have had a good day. I mean, and that's not a bad prayer, but God sort of throws Job under the bus, then then begins this battle, this ongoing uh thing in the back room of like I'm I'm going to press on him like this and let's see what happens. Satan doesn't know how Job is going to respond. God knows how he's going to respond. But you see this ongoing struggle so much so that Job doesn't understand what's going on. His friends kind of accuse him of, well, maybe it's some sin in your life, you know. His friends that, are punk. Doesn't that sound like a, a churchy <laughs> a churchy answer, you know, somebody comes into the church and they're struggling and we first thing we do is go Maybe, Michael, it's because you're sin, brother. You, yes. you know you haven't lived a good life, and God's just getting justice on you. Uh, and that happens. And his wife is even like, why don't you just cuss God and die? And Job struggles. I mean, he has all that going on in his head. He complains. God sends him to the woodshed and says, you know, you're going to answer me like a man. But at the end of it, Job comes to that place and he says, even if he slays me, yet will I serve him. And, you know, that's part of this thing that we have in our relationship with God is that we have to trust at the end of the day what he has for us is so much better than what we understand and, and going through the initial pain, the suffering. I always use the example, all of us have experienced this as dads. You take your six-month-old to the doctor 
so they can get their polio shot. Well, I can tell you right now, a six-month-old does not understand a sharp needle being punctured into their leg, and they're screaming and they're crying, and then as they get older, we're afraid to go to the doctor. You're, you're just afraid to go because every time I go, mama's lying to me, and I get a shot, and I cry, and it hurts. But what does a parent know? A parent knows a little bit of pain here will make you better in the long run, and you won't have to deal with polio. You won't have to deal with all this stuff. And so as bad as pain is, God knows that by us enduring some of those little things along the way, and in, and in our lives it may not seem little at the moment, but I I really believe this, at the end of time, we're not going to be sitting in heaven going, I can't believe you let me go through that. Mm-hmm. I think those are going to be things that we're going to praise him for. Thank you for letting me go through that difficult moment because it helped me see you in a different way. It helped me minister to other people. But, gosh, it's so difficult in the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and we even, again, back to Jesus' example, we see him in the garden. Hey, Father, let's talk about this one more time. Is there any other way? Is there any other way for me to take on the sins of this world without going through the crucifixion? Um, but, you know, he had to humble himself. And it's not easy. I don't have all those answers. I mean, I can drive with you down to Vanderbilt Children's Hospital and just cry with you. Mm-hmm. That's all you can do. I mean, you know, you ask about what's some of the strangest things people have asked you. I can tell you some of the hardest things I've done. Had a friend here in the community that. A child, perfectly normal, two years old, slipped in the bathtub, hit their head. Mm. They were in Vanderbilt Children's Hospital. I was new in ministry and as a pastor, and I thought, you know, I'm a pastor. I can do whatever I want to. So I go over Vanderbilt Children's Hospital. This is back before COVID. Uh, I go over there, and I'm just walking through doors that I honestly shouldn't have been allowed in. But I'm just walking through because somebody asked me to go pray with his family. I'm just busting there. I'm going to pray with his family. I get to this room. And there's this kid with their head bandaged up, can't see his little face. He's laying on the table in a diaper, and his arms are laying over the edge of the bed. I lost it. Mm. And I was so mad at God. Mm. Why? Why did you let this happen? Why did you let me come over here? You know? And But it's just a reminder, we live in a broken world. Yeah, absolutely. It it. Yeah. it if we can say crap, can we say sucks? It sucks. It does, doesn't it? It does. <laughs> I, I've stood at too many hospital beds and too many funerals. It, it's it's awful, the pain and suffering this world can bring us to. But it's also amazing how God works good stuff through all that stuff. Imagine if you didn't, and I think about this from time to time, people that don't have this to hang on to. There's no hope what else would you hang on to? I I may be an oddball. I may be the chicken in the turkey house or something like that, but I don't know where that came from, but <laughs> I'm surprised you are about that one. I always thought it was the fox in the house. That'll work too, but, I'm, but I, I may be a, a lot different, but, um, well, I am a lot different. There's billions and billions of human beings in the world. The way, I, the way I see the world and things like we're talking about, all these horrible things that happen, billions of human beings, and just at this table, there's four human beings, and we are about as different and doing different things all day long and thinking different things. And if you, if you multiply that by, by billions, it's easy for me to sit back and understand that there's a lot of things happening on the planet and it's not, it's a lot, a lot like my friend says his wife, or he says about it. He says about living with his wife. It's not always lasagna and brownies. <laughs> There's so many things happening on. It's easy for me to sit back. I, I never, I never blame God for bad things. I never, I just, my head just don't do that. It never has. And I don't know why I hear people talk about getting angry. I never do that. Because any bad thing I see, I don't really see God being responsible for that. I see a human being with some really either bad choices or bad luck going through stuff, going through crap. That's what I see. I see it as it's not always fun, but it's always interesting. To me, uh, life is this big story unfolding. It used to really trouble me to go to a funeral, but it doesn't anymore. 
because I understand what happened there. It's nobody's fault. It's not all those people standing around. It's not their fault. And everybody's trying to make sense of it. Well, you can't make sense of that. You can't make sense of it. Because most of these bad things aren't planned, so how are you going to make sense of it if it's not planned? It's just, it's just the way things work. I think the Bible tells us that the world is not going to get better or we're not going to be, become saints when we're saved. We're still human beings, and that billions of human beings are going to cause all kinds of trouble. And there's sickness. It's just there. A human body has sickness. We don't know where it's coming. If we knew where it was coming, when, we could head it off, but we can't. I just see this thing as I'm glad God is there saying, you know, you've got some hope here no matter what happens. You know Anything that happens, you've got some hope here at the end of this story. Yeah. So if you can share that with somebody, that's why I don't mind going to a funeral anymore. I'm going to go to a funeral and make you laugh. If I can, that's my job. And I'm going to go make you laugh if I can. And I've noticed that people that I know expect that. And they need it. And you know what? I need it once in a while. I'm a really bad human being when people don't see me. And a lot of these things we've been talking about last week and this week, I go through almost daily having to correct. I have to put new levelers on my tub almost daily. So, anyway. You know, it's really one of the things about the book of Job, when you take a really big step back from it, one of the things, you, you just look at all this havoc that goes through his entire life. But I think when you take a really big step back from it, there is something exceptionally important for us to catch just as human beings. Job had everything. The world looked at his life and they thought, man, this guy's got everything. He was wealthy. His kids were healthy, happy, whole. He had a good marriage. He prayed for his kids. Everything seemed to be good. And then tragedy happened. His health was affected. He lost kids. Uh, his relationship with his wife was broken. And then he, he gets to a point where he does break. And then... God steps in, and it was just the mere presence of God that made Job satisfied. Every It's just total storm and chaos in his life, and God steps in, and he is the calm in the middle of the storm. That's the thing that satisfied Job. Now, the end of the book, and it's important to note that the end of the book has Job with more wealth, more kids, better relationship with his wife at the end. But he was satisfied before he got all that stuff. He was satisfied just because he had a relationship with God. Ain't that what everybody's looking for? Yeah. Peace in, inside. Mm-hmm. Just some peace. And that's the only place you can get it. Yeah. Period. <laughs> we live on the messy side of, of life. We really do. And look in big picture view at the Bible. This is crazy to me. I didn't catch this until a few years ago. But the Bible actually begins with a story of creation. And then a wedding. Okay, so you Genesis 1 and 2, you, you've got this telling, this creation story. Genesis 1 is a telling of creation story from one perspective. Genesis 2 is a telling of the creation story from another perspective, where it kind of zeroes in on Adam and Eve. And uh, so the Bible starts with creation, and everything's perfect, and a wedding. And then in Genesis chapter 3, everything gets really messy. And everything is really messy all the way to the end of the book of the Bible. But then in, in Revelation chapter 21 and Revelation 19 ends with the world being recreated. And then Jesus, who is the bridegroom, comes back for his bride. So the Bible starts with perfection, creation, and a wedding. And then it ends with everything being made perfect again. Jesus being the, the groom who comes back for his bride, the church, and everything is perfect again. And so we really ultimately, the hope that we offer to other people is, if you trust Jesus, it'll all be okay in the end. He will make it right in the end. And that's the hope that we have to offer people. It's pretty good hope. I feel like I should go start a church or something. <laughs> <laughs> this is the most stirred up on a Saturday morning I've been in a long time there on a go. Monday. There you go. <laughs> Well, all right then. It's good stuff. Anything else in this segment? I mean, or did you get out what you need to get out there? Yeah, I think it's just a, a good reminder that he's in control. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is that loving father 
that knows. You know, you talk. We've talked about sovereignty. We've talked about how it's going to end. Um, you know, sometimes I'll videotape or tape a show and then go watch it. But especially in sports, you know, I'm a big UT fan, and I'll tape something and I'll tell people, "Don't tell me the end." And somebody invariably will oh, go, yeah. "Hey, you, I know, you know your boys lost," and then you know you just watch the game with a whole different perspective. But when you know they're going to win. You can endure that they had a bad first quarter and second quarter and third quarter and most of the fourth quarter because you know at the end they win. And I think for the people that are struggling, is there a God? Why would I believe in God? I mean, I think the biggest reason is in the end he wins. Mm, 100%. It, it doesn't look like it right now. It looks like world's out of control. How can God let all this happen in the Ukraine? How can God let my grandchild be sick? How can God let... COVID happened, and it kind of looks like God's not winning. Mm. But at the end of the game, he's going to win. And that's where you want to be. You want to be with a winner. Hey, I got a challenge for anybody that might hear us talking about this who who may not believe that God can give you peace. My challenge is try it. And then get back with us. Yeah. Try it. Just go try it. And then get back with us. You know, Michael, you were describing earlier some of the problems that you've been having. You know, your, your wife's issues and stuff like that. Your health issues and stuff. Um, and, and you really kind of described it perfectly. There is an end to your ability to fix things. Mm-hmm. There is an end to your doctor's ability to have all the answers. There is an end to all of those things. And we just don't have the answers. We don't have the ability to fix it. But the Bible describes that God, who is not only the source of all power, but he willingly and lovingly gives you that power. It describes a God that where our wisdom and knowledge and insight ends, his doesn't. And not only that, here's the the best thing. He is a God that is not distant. He is a God that walks with us every single step of the way. And so even when times suck, he's there with you. That's right, and that's one of the reasons we can get so stirred up <clears throat> on a Saturday morning on a Monday afternoon. Exactly. <laughs> and while we can come into church together on a Sunday morning and just have worship. I mean, because we know whose team we're on, mm. and we know who team has Jesus. the victory, you yep. know, and it's it's just good. It's good stuff. It is good stuff. It really is. Wow, Okay. I was going to buzz Jason so he'd go till he said sucks at the end of it. And then <laughs> <laughs> he redeemed himself. Well, yeah, he, you just barely skated out of that one. <laughs> that's, okay. that's my life. I usually just barely skate. I like to set the bar low. I understand this. <laughs> uh, we're going to take a break, powder our nose. We'll be back in a minute with a little bit of frivolity, as though there hasn't already been frivolity. But thanks for sticking this long. Ain't no way we can do this in 20 minutes. This thing will happen. <laughs> Three preachers. Yeah. What do you expect? Yeah. Hey, everybody. It's time to play America's almost favoritest new game show, Any or Audi, where we challenge our guests to figure out if a phrase we give them is actually in the Bible or out of the Bible. Sharpen your wits, guest. You're about to be in the hot seat of Bible stuff because you're the next contestant on Any or Audi. Here's Mike. Hey, we're back, and I'm really excited. I, I've been waiting years, yeah, maybe not years, but a few days for this moment. Uh, I have I have with me three preachers, and we're about to do an any or outy segment, and this is just this is exciting. But in fairness, I didn't want to I didn't want to do the the questions and then. Leave it to three preachers to discuss it because that would have just taken all night for one for them to come up with a uh, solid answer. But uh, so we've we've changing uh, any or outy up a little bit. Uh, Michael Kuntz is going to select one of the other two preachers or me. You could do. I don't care. Did you just select somebody? Okay. And uh, oh, I don't know. I may have just stepped in a pile right there. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so uh, you are going to present the phrase scripture whatever it is you've got in mind to do and as usual the uh, challenge for the competitor is to decide is that in the bible or out of the bible therefore is it an any or an out now gotcha since there are so many of us at the table 
uh, who, who want to have equal camera time and get the same royalty as the others, then uh, so when you, when you select your uh, victim, victim, when yes. you select your victim and lay it on them, the victim has the opportunity to discuss it, if need be, with the other two non-question askers at the table and come to his final decision. Now, we ran into, just so you, you guys know, if you haven't seen uh, a couple of the recent episodes, we ran into an issue that I did not foresee when I started in Eurati. There are a lot of different versions of the Bible. Mm-hmm. So we ran into this issue. I still have not code, totally figured out because I had to go to weddings and, you know, do stuff, and then I take naps. But anyway, I've had things that have kept me from figuring out exactly how to handle that. So we'll just take it, just understand that the answer you come up with may fit a certain translation where you were not aware of that when you were asking the question. Okay. Sounds good. You're up first, and then uh, then Jason is going to return the favor with a second question. You're on. All right. Well, um one one last note. <laughs> <laughs> Let me recant. Yes. Uh, when you when you lay your phrase, whatever you're going to lay, it, when you lay it out there, uh, the other folks, you can't immediately jump on and just give the answer. You have to discuss it because we're we're making a show. I mean, we're doing you know religious do you want drama Bible with this. Well, you don't have to do any drama. Okay. But I've got a feeling you're going to get to give some drama back in a minute. But the point is, drag it out a little bit because I'll put a little creepy music behind it, like you know, we're game show the creepy. Yeah. So like just, slasher flick creepy music, or I mean, we were talking here. Yeah, it depends on what fits. Like, More just, like suspense. Just oh, okay. One. Like a timer. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. But anyway, just take a little time and uh, and to come to the answer and then All present right. it. So. You ready? I guess. All right. <laughs> well, I'm not going to ask you because I showed you mine a while ago. So, oh, that's yeah, good. Yeah, so that's good. That's good. So that's I'm going to stick with HD, who we originally catch. picked. Okay. And I just hit your microphone. Um, so with all the stuff that has happened in, in my life in recent years and family and stuff like that, uh, this, this has been a great comfort to me. This too shall pass. In here and out of here. Ooh. This too shall pass. Who are you asking? Now? You're asking HD. HD. This too shall pass. Ooh. It sounds, it sounds pretty King James's. Got to remember where I grew up at. Yeah, this too shall pass. Ooh, I, you know, I thought if it wasn't King James version, mm. you weren't this good. Too shall pass. <laughs> but then it almost kind of sounds like a little bit of worldly wisdom. You hear that a lot, though. Yeah, I mean, that's a very, you do. This yeah. too shall pass. Very familiar phrase. This too shall pass. You got lifelines. Yeah, you have to ask for he, help. He though. We're not, yeah, that's yeah, gonna say we're thoughts, yes. <laughs> Well, that's it's so familiar. Yep. You hear it all the time. We do have a tendency to import our thoughts into the Bible. Like right. we hear it often enough that we think it's gotta be in there. Um Oh wait, I can't help. I saw this earlier. So you showed it to me. I did. I can't help. We'd really yeah. like some help. I I do think it's in there. It's kinda where I was leaning. I was thinking it sounds Sounds like it should be. It did definitely it, did it say like it this too or this too? <laughs> this too this, shall pass. This too shall this too, pass. Yeah. This could have been in the original translation. I'm not yeah. sure. I had to look that up. Did I read? Yeah. I so did you just tell us it was in the Bible? You said in the original translation. Is that? I did not tell you. No. He didn't say that. I didn't hear. I didn't hear you say that. Well, just we, for we just, just for sake of being right mm-hmm. or wrong, I mean it's fifty fifty, right? I, I'll say it's in the Bible. This too shall pass. Okay, it is not. <laughs> it is actually uh, from an old English poem. An old English poem, but it's a biblical principle. Well, it is, and in fact, I think I have read on that particular phrase where there are scriptures that kind of say the same thing, but this is just. Like you said, an English poet or something. Yeah, just kind of old English poem. uh, Rephrase it. But see, isn't that that interesting? Because you hear that all all your life. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not coming back next week. Yeah, I'm not. (laughs) And I'm not playing next time. (laughs) Well, I tried to throw you a bone there. (laughs) No, no, no. I mean, it seems. It seems. It sounds like it is. Yeah. Sounds biblical. But see, this is going to be so helpful for people who are out there using that phrase. Like you obviously have been all your life. Yeah, no, and it's not really in there. I know, right? God helps those that help themselves. Yes. Right? Not in the Bible. Don't take my next one. Come on. <laughs> we only get one. Well, I'm saving it for next week. Oh. 
You okay. said you weren't playing next um, week. <laughs> I need to find a way because I don't have a boo or you know a sad sound effect. I only have applause. Oh. So we need to find a way to oh. that you won here somehow. I, I didn't. I lost. I guess you did, didn't you? Yeah. And you like to take it like it is. I do. Well, yeah. I'll, I'll bring up the appropriate sound effect. Boo. <laughs> Jason, you're up. Okay. Uh, <laughs> the wolf shall lie down with the lamb. Who are you asking that to, though? Yeah. Oh, we, uh, yeah, we don't all want to take a loss. We don't want all. <laughs> we don't want all hit HD. <laughs> we, 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 so, uh, you know, we helped you take a loss. Oh, thank but. you. Oh, thank you. Appreciate <laughs> you. Michael. Yes. Okay. Well, the tables the have been wolf. turned. Will live or lie down with the lamb. Okay, so I'm immediately going to reach out to schooled people on either side of me in uh, these topics. It sounds like literature to me rather than scripture, but. Even if it's in the Bible, the Bible is literature. The Bible is literature, but there were specific <laughs> types, and most of them were not English. But I do know that uh, I've read something similar to this in, how did you say it? The wolf will lie down with the lamb? Mm-hmm. Help me out, brothers. Well, the scripture talks about the lion yep. lying yep. down with the lamb. Yep. And there's other scripture that talks about a wolf and a lamb, but I don't think it talks about them lying down together. But yep. is Jason trying to get us, he goes, I know they'll immediately say lion and lamb, and then we'll say, nope, that's not in the Bible. But there may be another reference to well, the wolf. He's trying to sneak. There up is wolf on us. and lamb, but yeah. you said lying down, right? He said the, they were the lying wolf down. Will yeah. live or dwell, or depending on the translation. Okay. Well, or, I personally think Jason messed up. You I, think he meant to say is, lion? Well, no. This is the first time he's played in your Audi, yeah. and I think he made a classic, uh, <laughs> <Any> devastating <laughs> mistake because he said the wolf and the lamb will lie down with the lamb. I don't think that's in the Bible. I think Jason. That's his answer. That's I his think answer. Jason planted wolf in there. All right. Just because of the way he inflected. What about the lifeline? I was going to go with scripture. You were going to go. With I was going to go with scripture. What were you going to go with? Because if it's a vote, then I may. <laughs> I, I was thinking it probably was. I think he's trying to, you know, use a familiar statement that we know, and then get us to jump on that and go no that's not in the bible and then him go oh yes it is <laughs> <laughs> so yes <I'm>, it is <laughs> isaiah it is isaiah eleven six, and there actually is no verse that says the lion will lie with the lamb really? look at that i busted myself it is myself. a mess up because jesus is referred to the as the lion and the lamb so a lot of times we put those two together but it, the verse that we always use where the lion Will live with the lamb is actually wolf. Wow! In the Old Testament, interesting Isaiah eleven six. Full passage, just that one verse says, uh, "The wolf shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat, and the calf and the lion shall, uh, the calf and the lion and the fatted calf together, and a little child shall lead them." So it's a reference to Jesus. So um, what what happened here? Because I never technically answered, but they said both it wasn't. did. <laughs> Well, I said I'm thinking that you're trying to fool us, <laughs> okay. but I don't think I ever actually answered because because they were saying that they believed it was, and then you just said it is, and you'll notice I didn't say anything. So I don't know. So you get a you're o for o. I don't no. Actually, I guess I get a win because <laughs> it's your How podcast. Convenient. So you get a win. How convenient that you would get a win. Well, I make the I make the rules. I'll determine I'll determine this when I edit all this out. Because I'm a little confused about what happened there. Uh, the preachers took over, basically. I was consulting with them, and then they just took over, and then you just got with them another preacher and said, yep, it's in there. <laughs> okay, I'm just along for the ride. Well, that was fun. We'll see what happens after we edit it. We'll be back in uh, just a little bit to close out our second edition of the uh, Three Preachers on Mike the Baptist. With our with favorite the, hymn? With our favorite. Well, this is uh, Jason's, one of Jason's Justin. favorite hymns. So. A shout out to all the uh, kids that grew up in the 80s and 90s. You're yep. welcome. So that's been a while ago, so it's page two in your Mike the Baptist hymn. They'll be looking that up. Oh, wow. What a great contestant and a fine sport today on Any or Audi, America's almost favorite new game show. Study up, future guest people. You're next in the hot seat for Any or Audi. This is going to be a massacre. I got my lyrics. This is going to be bad.
Hey, we're back, sort of. And uh, in typical tradition on Mike the Baptist, we're going straight to the Mike the Baptist hymnal on behalf of Jason Riccardi. That's with two D's and one I. Is that right? No. Riccardi. Uh, two R's. Like, two R's. another story. It looks more like Ricky Ardy. So there are two R's, two C's, three I's, and a D. I invited that, yeah, and, I, and we got it. Anyway, so uh, page two of the uh, Mike Baptist hymnal is a song you'll all be familiar with, and it happens to be one of uh, Jason's selection of a favorite, old favorite hymn of his that I'm sure his family has sang in uh, churches wherever you went, Texas. I'm sure they sang this in Texas. Actually, sang this on a, a subway in Atlanta on a a passion you know conference as well. It's a it's a it's a religious conference that you go to if you're 18 to 25 years old and and we sang this on the uh, the uh the subway and well you lead us you be the choir leader today because we're a little older than you i think are you older you're oh, older. yeah yeah we're a little older than you so most of the hymns we know are a little a little different a little yeah. earlier than that but you lead us and uh thanks for listening to mike the baptist we hope you gathered something uh before we got to this point from this episode <laughs> Are you guys ready? No, but let's do it anyway. (laughs) Now this this is a story all about how my life got flipped, turned upside down. And I'd like to take a minute, just sit right there. And I'll tell you how I became a prince of a town called In West Philadelphia, born and raised on the playground where I spent most of my days. Chilling out, maxing, relaxing, all cool and all shooting some b-ball outside the school. And a couple of guys who were up to no good started making trouble in my neighborhood. I got a one little fight, my mom got scared. She said, move with your auntie and uncle in Bel Air. Bel Air. Wow. Okay. I'm sure, I'm sure you're... Inspired as I am after that. <laughs> so that same story, uh, when we were singing those songs on the subway. This the, will be a fade out on this program. One of the uh, the other passengers was at the conference as well, and they're like, hey, that's really cool. Do you guys know any Christian songs? And so we were singing these songs off the top of our head, and, and we, we completely blanked. And we could not come up with a Christian song. It was pretty fun. Well, see, these work. If you just call them a hymn, you know, we're getting together, having a good time. We're worshiping. We're, you know, we're... I think we're going in the right direction. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see you next time, folks. And see you next Saturday on Monday afternoon. Mike the Baptist. <laughs> <laughs>